infinity and beyond. I'm sure everybody knows that classic Halo tagline by now. Welcome to Video Gameography, the podcast where we explore the most important game franchises in history, one title at a time. I'm Benjamin Reeves. And I'm Marcus Stewart. And today we're joined by Mr. Matt Miller, Mr. Halo himself, the magazine content director at Game Informer. How's it going, Matt? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. I'm excited to talk about some Halo. Yeah, we're glad to have you on. You know, we've been talking about Halo. This is the swan song for for the Halo series for video gameography. But I've been really wanting to get you on because, like, yo, you are one of the bigger Halo fans at GI. We we save the best for last is what I'm saying. Oh, well, that's very kind. I, uh, I, I mean, I, I definitely think uh, Halo has been a big part of my personal gaming hobby for ever. I mean, since uh, since the first game came out and a big part of my professional life, too. I've written a bunch of cover stories on those games and written many of our, our reviews. And Halo has a special place in my heart. Well, it's good to have you. Thanks for joining us. You know, Miller, I remember my during my internship, I had to write about Halo and I had really played any of the campaigns. And I was like, oh, let me ask. I heard Matt's really into Halo. And I asked you, can you give me a brief synopsis of what Halo is? <laughs> I remember that, Marcus. I cannot give you a brief synopsis. I can only give you an extensive synopsis. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember smiling at the idea that I could like, OK, I'm going to try to break this down for this guy into what? A minute? There's a. There's a space it was longer than a soldier. minute. <laughs> yeah, I and then it you was. looked at your watch and you're like, "Well, it's time to go to bed." Yeah, you were like, <laughs> "You gonna you gonna learn today? Come sit in the <laughs> sit under the learning tree." <laughs> and this was just for like a news story, Marcus? No, it was a a larger feature that in, uh, I forgot what it was, but I had to talk about Halo as a part of it, and I hadn't played any of the campaigns at that point, so I was like, "Oh man, I like because I needed Halo for it." I was like, all right, mm-hmm. let me pick some brains. I was like, oh, Miller's the guy. <laughs> sure I could just wrap this up. <laughs> I could just imagine like some of my desk mates, like at the time, like Otto and Joe used to sit really close to me. And I can just imagine you coming up to me saying, hey, can you talk to me about the Halo story? And them just like dipping their heads in sorrow of what they were going to have to listen to for the subsequent like half an hour. How, how do you research? I, we're already on a tangent, but Miller, how do you like? dive into the halo lore are you just reading a ton of wikipedia are you reading the books or like what what is it how do you catch up on that i think back in the day i read a lot of the books i haven't read a lot of the recent stuff but back in the day i i read most of the novels and there were some comic stuff that i i got into and i don't know i i think just generally with a lot of those um fictional universes when you can tell that a developer has gone to the the effort to put together a rich backdrop for their their gaming universes. I think we've, we've all had games like that where you can really tell like that, that works for me. Right. Like, and when I sense that I, I will often take the time to like uh, in that game, spend time with like, if there's like an in-game encyclopedia or, you know, maybe there's like, you know, those like weird things you pick up in a game world that are like little written entries of things that usually you just kind of like get past and you can't hit a fast enough to get back to the game. Uh If I sense that it's like a, a cool, world that has been built then sometimes i get into reading some of that stuff um just i don't know part of the way i engage with the hobby i guess and so maybe it's always kind of been that way with with the halo universe because i think they've always done a pretty good job of of fleshing it out and making it feel like a real space 
real place. I've always felt that Halo's lore has been better than their storytelling or their ability mm-hmm. to craft like interesting lore. Like their worlds are really interesting. They have a ton of lore. Sometimes the way they've told those stories has not been very, you know, well crafted, let's say. But I think the yeah. world, like the narrative like underneath is really neat. Yeah, you're talking you're talking about a distinction that I I often go back to talking about all sorts of games, which is like the difference between world building and and storytelling is significant and not I mean, both in games and movies and novels and comic books, I think you can have one be good and the other one not be good or vice versa. And sometimes, you know, the, the very best are the places where the storytelling and the world building are are both very good, right? Like you, you take like a like Lord of the Rings, right? Like sure. the original classic world building and and storytelling example. I mean, those are both very, very good. Um, in other places, it's one or the other that that like is a really standout experience, and the uh, the other kind of doesn't always work. And you're right, Halo at times feels like it's stumbled a little bit with individual story beats, but I've always thought that that the actual fiction itself has been strong. For sure. Well, last episode of the series, I think we're going to try to do some review read-offs rather than just dive into like, hey, let's look back at the year we just experienced, which is what we normally do. Let's just take a moment to be like, hey, here's some reviews. You you don't need us to tell you what happened in, in 2021 at this point, right? Just get some hot pull quotes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I looked up some reviews. Here's one from SRG110. They say, very enjoyable podcast with nuanced information and genuinely funny hosts and guests. There you go. Hey, it's the second time we've been called funny, Ben. That's right. I'm not seeking these out, by the way. I'm just reading reviews. (laughs) They say, I always enjoyed the Metroid series. Learning more about it and how others perceived it has been very interesting. So keep up the good work. And then another review here from Stevie P one, two, three says good podcast, but I never feel like they go into facts and the discussion devolves into opinions. They Mm -hmm. still give us four out of five stars though. So thanks Stevie. No facts, huh? That's an interesting thought. I could see that. Should we do more facts in this one? More facts. All right. Uh, Unless we have an opinion we're so passionate about that we state it as a fact. Let's see how that works. That'll be novel. Yeah. That's usually how the internet works. Yeah. And, <laughs> see, so. see if the internet catches on to that. I don't know. Yes, but thank you, Stevie P123. I like your name. It rhymes. Yeah, thank you. All right. Halo Infinite. It released December 8th, 2021, but a little caveat on that because on November 15th of 2021, they surprised everybody with the reveal that, hey, hey, Halo multiplayer is out in beta. So... I don't know. Does that count as two release dates? Then there's the multiplayer release, what everybody considers the multiplayer release, and then the the campaign release. I think they technically called that initial November launch like part of a beta, right? But it was totally like the you know you kept your progress. It was all the stuff that was going to be there at launch. So I don't know. Yeah, I remember talking with my brother in law. He's like, "Oh, I'm playing Halo. It's out." I'm like, "Oh, you're playing the beta? How are you liking it?" And he's like, "No, it's it's officially out. It's not the beta." I'm like. Well, it's technically the beta. I mean, I don't know if you can call me out on this, but I agree with you in the sentiment that it's out now for good and it's official. Yeah. We went from beta Halo to Zeta Halo. That's right. It's a joke, guys. Hey. I'm trying to get another We're Funny review. Hey, Marcus, is that a fact or an opinion? <laughs> that one's actually a fact. Oh, great. Mm. More facts. There you go, Stevie. 
let's dive into the development history a little bit. But before we talk too much about Halo Infinite, actually, we should probably start back up a little bit. Ben Hansen tweeted at us uh, of MinMax fame, Ben Hansen. He said, you guys need to talk about the Halo Ma- Mega Blocks game. Do you guys remember this thing? No, no, I really don't. I don't think I ever knew about it until Ben tagged us. Well, the weird thing is, I feel like I remember them announcing this game, but then when I went back to like research it, they did not ever announce it. Apparently, there's just a post in 2017 from Andrew Borman, who's now at the Strong Museum, who's a curator at the Strong Museum now. He revealed this video of like, here's this Halo Mega Bloks game that was never announced. And I'm like, really? I thought. I thought it was announced, but having some kind of like Berenstein Bears moment, I guess. But the point is, they were working on a Halo Mega Box game back in the day. It was being developed by InSpace. It's a defunct studio now, but their claim to fame was probably the Geist game for the GameCube. Remember that one? Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. They did a lot of port work. They did a Skylanders Swap Force game for the 3DS and a Julian Mitchell's fitness game for the Kinect. So that was the kind of games they were working on. This game, this game, to be clear, was pretty much like someone in a boardroom so- saying, you know what kids really like is those Lego games. Oh, 100%. Let's do yeah. that. Oh, right. 100%. I mean, like I've, I've seen some screenshots and it's I mean, it's pretty much like, hey, let's let's have Master Chief run around, but we'll have it be kind of goofy and Lego and um, use the Mega Bloks license and. It feels like as a game that was, you know, this was what, early 2010s, right? Somewhere in that vicinity that was probably in the works. Yeah, early 2010s. It was officially or reportedly canceled in 2013. And like I said, the studio's defunct, so it's not happening anymore. Yeah. It feels to me like, uh, like it, I mean, we don't know the full picture there of what exactly happened, but it does not surprise me in hindsight to look at that and understand that it didn't work out, right? Like, here's a moment where... 343 is still trying to establish its identity as like the custodians of the Halo brand. And, you know, both Halo 4 and 5, as you guys have talked about in a previous episode, were games that like met with some mixed reception, it's fair to say. And the idea that that in the midst of that moment for the franchise's life, they were going to come out with like a kid targeted, sort of kid targeted, but it still has guns and lasers and blowing people up sort of lego game but you know it's not lego because it's mega blocks kind of off-brand like every there's all sorts of warning signs there for me like like that that sounds like a bad idea well they they already had the mega block license because they released mega block sets you bought some do. of those haven't you miller you've messed around yeah, with some yeah. Of those. i mean several of them are cool uh and i think they've continued they've they've had some new ones for halo infinite yeah, the screenshots of this game are wild. You can find them on Halopedia, but it literally just looks like Halo Infinite with a Lego skin slapped over it. Just big old yep. environments. You see one where Chief's on a tower. Yeah. The weird thing is it's a third person shooter. Yeah. Which kind of throws me. I'm like, OK, I guess. I mean, you kind of want to see the like mega block looking Master Chief, I guess. Maybe that was the yeah. re- reasoning for that. Kids can't handle first person perspective. <laughs> it's like, what? Whose eyes am I looking through? Well, and again, I mean, it, it's it's like they were they were trying as hard as they possibly could to to match the the Lego games that were coming out. I mean, we're talking somewhere between 2010 and 2015. At that point, those Lego games, Lego Star Wars, Lego Marvel superheroes, all those games, those were like blazing. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they were constantly selling well up until yeah. they stopped releasing them a few years ago because they were <laughs> yeah. reworking the 
their engine. Star Wars. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, there you go. That was uh, Halo Mega Blocks. Yep. You're welcome, Ben. Yeah, yeah there you go, Hanson. Have fun. Uh, cool. Well, yeah. So again, before we dive straight into Infinite, um, Halo 5 released 2015, as we've talked about previously. A couple years later, they released another Halo game, Halo Wars 2. Did you guys play this? Nope. Just mainly because I'm not an RTS guy. Yeah. I... I played a little bit of it. I, uh, I think the, in my mind, the the biggest uh, thing that came out of there was it's the way that it's uh, villains dovetail into infinite, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, I mean, mainly why I wanted to talk about it is because the story is super, super relevant. Uh, I reviewed Halo Wars two. It came out on February twenty first, twenty seventeen. I gave it a seven. 0.75 which is maybe a little lower than my memory of it but i do remember liking it quite a bit it's a fun solid console uh, rts just like the first one the first one was set like 20 years before the events of the first halo game combat evolved right. so it was very like disconnected from what was happening you know in that in that space because they you know it wanted it to be its own thing, but then by the time Halo 2 rolls around, excuse me, by the time Halo Wars 2 rolls around, the people of, uh, oh gosh, was it the Infinity? Yeah, Infinity. It's the people in the Infinity, that that was the ship in Halo Wars 2, they were in cryosleep, and then they woke up, and it's happening after the end of the Covenant War. So it's like more modern timeline, and it, and it introduces the the brutes and Atriox and all those guys that you fight in Halo Infinite. So the narrative is actually pretty relevant to Halo Infinite. Yeah. It's like right after Halo 5 pretty much it takes place. Yeah, do you want to do a quick story recap while we're at it? Yeah, I, it was interesting cuz like not having played this game but hearing the the connections to it. There like the main general thing is the the banished are introduced and you know they're like a sort of a splinter faction of the Covenant that apparently were so like well-organized or fear that the covenant themselves could never take them down, even at the height of their power. So it's like, okay, that seemed pretty cool. But yeah, they, um, like you said, the, uh, infinity crew wakes up, uh, the entire plot just kind of revolves around, uh, Spartan red team. Who's the, who you're controlling, trying to keep the cartographer away from the banished and their leader, Atriox, and a cartographer they got from the Ark, which we've talked about before. And it's uh, basically a, a just kind of a map of all the, <clears throat> excuse me, the different keys and uh, weapons for, I think, Forerunner technology in the galaxy. And so there's like, oh, it, it pretty much just becomes a game of keep away. <laughs> yeah, so it would be story. bad if the Brutes got that. Yeah, like they get their hands on it and keep them away and are pretty much... <laughs> doing almost a 300 style suicide mission like hey it's only a few of us against all these guys but we're the only ones that can stop them uh and the way it ends is that like they they go to a, another halo ring because they use they build a halo to try to s- jump into slip space to get back to unsc controlled space and uh i guess your captain kind of like he gets sucked into that portal and basically like most of the crew gets left behind but it ends with him saying like, hey i'll come back you know help sorry guys didn't plan for this really um 
And, it's bad you know, to be some... a captain in the Halo universe. <laughs> it really is. You're always getting in trouble. <laughs> and, um, you know, they defeat the Banished, but Atriox, he's not killed in this, but he's presumed dead uh, for a long time. And, you know, we'll get into, you know, we'll touch on that more in Halo Infinite. But uh, apparently it was a book that came out in 2020 that confirmed his that he was still around that called a uh, halo shadows of reach. Oh, cause, cause I thought he, cause I, yeah, when I was reading, I was like, Oh, I guess people thought Atriox had died just from context of playing infinite. And then reading this like, no, he totally is alive at the end of this game. So what, where did people get that idea from? Mm-hmm. And I guess the, yeah, it was just a question mark pretty much. Okay. Um, yeah. I was curious about that too. I was like, why did people think he was dead? That's, I mean, we can get into it when we talk about the narrative for halo infinite, but there's so many things they skip over and then address later in the the Halo Infinite narrative that I felt like I was playing cut catch up the whole time. Yeah. And that's kind of really the main connective tissue between the two games are the banished themselves and Atriox in particular. Because it right. seems like he's gonna be a player going forward. Yeah. I mean, conceptually the the banished uh, as they are introduced in Halo Wars 2, but more significantly as they show up in Infinite. It's it's a really interesting concept because in in many ways it feels like uh, a way to make the the same enemies we've had since two thousand one uh, feel relevant and scary again, right? I mean uh, the the gradual course of the Halo games leading up to Infinite, um, if you you can kind of think about it, the the Covenant keep getting less and less threatening in some ways, because we kind of are getting to be buddies with them. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, especially through the presence of the, of the Arbiter character, where everything about them is sort of humanized and made sympathetic. And, um, and the, the banished acted in many ways, like, uh, uh, you know, we, we still have these same species that you like to fight these, these enemies that you like to throw sticky grenades at. Right. Um, but now we want to make them be mean again, right? We want to have them be, uh, vicious and, uh, tribalistic and, uh, dangerous. Uh, and that's always, you know, having played through Infinite's campaign now multiple times and talked with the developers about it, that's really how it comes across to me. I mean, they, they're kind of distinct. I mean, they have a different architectural style to their ships, I guess, um, than the Covenant did, but, I don't know. I mean, it's it's pretty much just a uh, a smart a smart way to refresh enemies that we like, but yeah. not have them be. Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, not make you feel bad for shooting them. I guess. No, that's right? a good point. I never thought about that, but you're you're 100 right. Because like pretty much from Halo Two or maybe even Halo One with the flood being introduced on, they kind of took a backseat to like the quote unquote real threat of like the mm-hmm. flood. And then even the Prometheans and sort of the beginning of the new trilogy it was yeah. like, oh, you, you start out with them, but they're not the real problem. Right. But they're, they're, the, the, the problem that they faced is that they, both the Flood and the Prometheans, I would argue the Covenants are the, the Covenant are the more enjoyable enemy to fight. Oh, I would yeah. agree with that. You know, like, like, the, because especially, I mean, the, the Flood is basically like, 
has, has always been basically like, let's put zombies in our game, right? Like, let's give the feel of zombies. They're charging you. You got to just take them down quick. There's not much intelligence there. It is by concept, um, just a wave of enemies running at you. Yeah, like that's, ex- they're called the flood. Like, that's, that's it, what they are. Exactly. Right. And and the Prometheans, I think, were, um, were interesting, but they... Uh, they were almost in in retrospect for me they there's times that it's almost too complex right like like who are these enemies what is the distinctions between them i don't know that even after playing four and five a lot that i always you know wrapped my head around that and had clear signals of like just the silhouettes of the different characters you know you think about some of those things that like become identifiers in your mind of like what you're fighting but if you think about the covenant man like everything is real clear and really threatening, right? Like when you know what a jackal looks like, you know, the silhouette, you know, the way they sound, you know, the way that they shoot, you know, that they're dangerous at distance. You know, there's like these things that that are just kind of like hardwired in as a halo player that you kind of get about the jackals or the grunts, right? What does it mean when a grunt shows up? I mean, not much (laughs) other than that, that they're kind of like, they're a distraction, right? What does it mean when, uh, you see that silhouette of um, an elite with a sword, right? I mean, like it, it clicks, it, it, it ticks a certain box in your brain of like, okay, now I need to go into this mode of thinking. Um, and so they were just always a really good, um, good enemy. And mm-hmm. I think when they, I get the sense that when they came back to infinite and they realized that there had been some like uh, mixed reaction to what they did in four and five, they they doubled down on the best things that the franchise had. Um, and in the enemy sphere, that was the covenant, mm-hmm. but we needed a covenant that were dangerous. Thus the banished. Yeah. Yeah. That's all well said. Yeah. I think that's a definitely enough table setting for sure. We should just dive into halo infinite. As we said, came out just last year, <laughs> either December or November, how you count it. It, uh, it was a good game. But just looking back at the release of Halo games, Halo has always had a pretty steady release cadence. You know, three years max, usually two to three years is the traditional development time. Halo Infinite took six years, which is like almost twice any other game has taken. And part of the reason for that was that 343, after the release of Halo 5 in 2015, they step back and they're like, we need to redo our engine. And so they developed a whole new engine. It's called the slip space engine. And, uh, that was a lot of work. Apparently Halo's old engine was pretty long in the tooth. And there were some tools that were just hard to work with and dated back to, you know, the beginning of the millennium. Like it's, it's wild. Did they talk to you about that much Miller when you did the cover story? We didn't talk a whole lot about about the engine at that point. I mean, when we did our cover story on the game, it was just a when we were talking to them. I mean, our our cover story came out like just basically a month before the game release. But keep in mind, we were talking to them even a month or so before that. Um, A lot of the focus at that point was on um, the shift from what they had originally planned to have as a launch alongside the Xbox Series X. Um, last year and the fact that they delayed it um was a huge deal Mm -hmm. right i mean uh and in retrospect almost certainly the right decision uh from a perspective of like getting the halo brand back on track 
Um, but there's no doubt in my mind that it um, it affected that first year of sales for the for the new Xbox, right? I mean, as it was, I th- I feel like that that singular game being delayed changed the whole landscape of the first year of that. I, mean, I don't know if we still want to call the console war the way people used to, but I mean, PS5 came out stronger because Halo wasn't there hmm. um, and really became the the cool system to have in that first year, right? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyway, when we were talking to them, it was much more focused on that. I mean, I I think in some ways, some of the stuff around the engine itself uh, wasn't, you know, it was almost ancient history by the time we were talking about it. We were more talking about, like I said, it was the game as it was coming out. Yeah, they started working on six years ago. So they're probably like, ah, we (laughs) forgot we even did that. (laughs) But but yeah, it was a lot of work to rebuild an engine, you know? Yeah, it takes a lot of work uh, along the same lines. They were taking a lot of feedback from Halo 5's reception. Yeah, people, as we talked about last episode, did not really love Halo 5's campaign. Uh, you know, you played a lot with Locke. And I think Locke's a fine character, but it, he's not Master Chief, right? It's not a character you've loved for 20 years. And the fact that you didn't play as Master Chief a ton of the game, they were like, you know what? This next game, let's focus on Master Chief again. Let's go back to what made Halo great. Let's look at the first game even for for inspiration. So this game was very much designed from the start as a, even a spiritual successor to the first Halo, which they've talked at length about. Like, yeah, it's a spiritual successor to the first Halo. Even from that moment where you first drop down and see the Halo ring, they wanted to recreate that a lot. Which I think they did. Do you guys think they nailed that? Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Marcus. That's no, so like even from the first reveal trailer, the whatever E3 it was years ago, <clears throat> that was the first thing. Even not knowing what that game was or where it was set, like there was a part of me that thought it would be re- almost rebooting Halo 1. Mm-hmm. And like I was like, oh man, was Halo 5 that bad that they're <laughs> like, we're not even going to continue from that? Um, but yeah, like e- even just the art direction, it, which is weird because like Halo has a generally unified art direction, but something about seeing the halo ring and just like the grassy um environment like it seemed i don't want to say simple but it just it just felt like halo one again in a way that kind of made me raise an eyebrow and made me more interested yeah yeah you know it's interesting that you bring up the concept of art direction because one of the things that really stuck with me when we did interviews for that cover story was um uh one of the team members who worked on developing the look of the game talking about the idea that in four and five there was a lot of the a lot of the drive around the the um design of levels and the shape of the architecture was about pulling you forward right it was it was always kind of like which is which is to be fair like kind of modern game design 101 a little bit right like let's find some unconscious cues to make the player move in the direction that we want them to move um but they said that they went back to games, to the early games, Halo 1, 2, and 3, and looked at them and the work that Bungie did on them. And one of the big takeaways that they did after they did a pretty extensive and exhaustive study was about pulling the eye up instead. Um, and so if you play through Halo Infinite's campaign now, you can watch for that and see that the way that spaces are drawn is often very much about doing that your eye is pulled upwards and thus um given a sense of scale and scope 
that you maybe didn't have in four and five, even though, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a unified art style to what had always, always been there. But you think about the spaces in infinite, both the interior spaces and the, and the outside spaces on the ring, you're always kind of like looking up, which, uh, has a feeling about it, right? Like think about places you've been in the world, a big cathedral or a remarkable national park, right? The places that that are memorable for you are those ones that make that pull your eyes upward and and make you think about like, wow, this is just incredible. Look at the size of this. Look at the um, the grandeur. Um, and I think that that was something that came back in Infinite's um, artistic presentation mm. um, that you maybe didn't have as much of in four and five. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it's a good point too. And I think we talked about it in our Halo One episode about that first time you land on the halo ring in the first game combat evolved. Mm -hmm. It's not an open world game and and you can't go wherever you want, but it sort of evoked that feeling of, Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm on this ring. Like how far does this world extend? Like, am I going to go over there at some Mm -hmm. point in the game? You kind of felt this sense of wonder and ability to explore. And, and the levels were for back then pretty big, like pretty wide and like you had a lot of freedom to explore even though they were linear levels and so i think that element has always been part of the halo dna and so making it an open world game you know you could debate whether or not it's a true open world game but that was kind of their idea is like let's take that and expand it and make it more of an open world game Mm -hmm. and i think it it kind of works with the halo franchise yeah i mean there's the you know like um Joseph Staten came on to that onto Infinite late, right? Um, but we got to talk with him a little bit, and it was interesting to talk with him about, you know, being a guy who had been on that, been on the Bungie team way back when for those early games, mm-hmm. and then came on as a um, creative influence for Infinite. Um, and he definitely talked about that idea that you're you're referencing there, Ben. The idea that uh, there was an illusion of freedom. To combat evolved um that was very appealing to you know shoot console shooter players in 2001 i mean i certainly remember that sensation and how exciting it was but you pretty quickly as you played that original game began to realize it was almost entirely an illusion right like the spaces were bigger than we'd come to be used to we we'd come to be used to at that point uh for a, a first person shooter but they still weren't it wasn't an open space. And there was sort of like, sometimes there'd be like, oh, well, there's some Marines over there and I guess we can save them. But it didn't really matter, right? Like you could go save them or not. And it did zero effect on anything at, at all. Um, Infinite felt like it was like, um, playing through that campaign, it felt like it was like making good on that concept, right? Of, of what you imagined you would do when you crash landed in Halo Combat Evolved. In Halo Infinite, you crashed, you you came down to that planet, and then that's what you did, right? You went and saved some Marines, and you got some points to level up with it. Um, you uh, you looked, oh, you know, you had your objective marker that you could, could take you to one place, but if you went off of that beaten path and went someplace else, there was value to doing that because you got some new weapon in your arsenal. Um, it works, you know. It, it's one of the reasons that. Halo Infinite works. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you guys have talked about that demo that released in July of 2020. That was the year, that was the first year that 
you know, E3 got basically canceled, but Microsoft still did their showcase. So it kind of felt like this is our E3 style thing. That was what that yeah. was. And during that event, Microsoft showed off this nine minute demo of Halo, which was the first really big extended look we'd had at the game in a while. And it, it did not go over super well <laughs> with the internet. Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Oh, this yeah. is Craig the Brutes debut, right? Oh yeah. 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 The, uh, the internet's hero of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was, a, it undoubtedly played a big factor in the delay. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, my understanding is it's yeah. One of the causes for the delay for sure. And yeah. I, I just to back up though, like I remember watching that demo and I'm like, oh, okay, this looks fine. Like I wasn't like blown away visually, but I thought it looked like halo and it looked good. Like, what did you guys think of the demo? In hindsight, I'm, I can eat crow. Cause I remember seeing the grappling for the first time and thinking like, Oh, that's cool. But I don't know how big a difference that'll make. Like, it doesn't <laughs> seem like that much. It like, seems like a marginal addition. Uh -huh. And now I don't understand how we played Halo without it. <laughs> I yeah. Love it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I, w I was kind of in your camp at the time, Ben. I mean, I, I, I remember I mean, you and I were sitting in a um, sitting in, a, in our respective homes covering that that uh, showcase remotely. Mm -hmm. uh when that thing happened and i remember being like oh sweet we finally get to see some halo gameplay and oh it looks kind of cool maybe yeah it doesn't look super new jenny but whatever and you know clearly i was uh compared to most fans was maybe being more generous a lot of people really had big problems with how it looked and um uh you know we we subsequently, like when we did our cover story, one of the things we did was a, a comparison video where you can literally watch the, um, the old, that demo alongside what eventually released that same gameplay space, right? Like it happens right after the Pelican down mission, I think it's called. Um, right. And, uh, and see the changes that are, that have been made. And, you know, there's no doubt it, Turns out if you give a, a good game developer, as 343 Industries is certainly a very good game developer, you give them an extra year on a thing, they make it better. Um, and they did. I mean, it looks tighter. It plays tighter. Um, they, they definitely tightened everything up, but all the elements were there. So they yeah. just, you know, it was clearly they were on the right track. They just needed more time. The So this is where Joseph Staten comes into play, right? So the story he's told is that the demo comes out, the internet reacts poorly. He sees that and he just reaches out to uh, to Bonnie Ross. That's her name, right? Yep. It was the, almost mistook her for the <laughs> who's the person that sewed the American flag? Betsy Ross. Betsy Ross. <laughs> I was like, I didn't want to get those messed up. <laughs> Bonnie Ross, head of 343, because they're co-workers. Uh, Joseph Staten was working on what Microsoft Flight Simulator or something at the time. And he'd been doing some stuff with Crackdown, a bunch of other stuff. But anyway, he, he reaches out to her right before he goes on vacation. He's like, hey, just saw this. If you guys need any help, whatever, I have some history with Halo. Let me know. He was, according to him, just thinking like, I'm just going to help. But then he goes on vacation. When he comes back from vacation, there's his email, email box is just filled with all this stuff of like, hey, we're going <laughs> to welcome Joseph Satan. He's going to come to 343 and like be our head of creative <laughs> or something. And it's like, oh, I didn't expect this, but OK, yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, she sewed the announcement on a flag and wrote it up yeah, the flagpole. Right. Yeah, 13 stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting talking to those those developers. I mean, I think one of the untold stories that we're, 
would be very hard to get a, a true straight answer about is just how the different parties involved felt about all of that and how that went down. Um, Staten was moved into a very senior role um, at, in on that project very late in the game, um, very late in the development of the game, right? Um, and uh, on any in any public communications, of course, that team, you know, everything seems like it's like it was very well received, mm-hmm. and everybody was on board with it. I don't, there's no way to know, right? Like, was that really the case? Were people frustrated that they were, there was a change up that late in the game uh, development cycle? I just, I don't know. I do know, however, that in public communications, when I talked to Staten, when we interviewed him, he was very, very gracious and, um, and talked a lot about this team that he was helping to, to guide now. And the work that they had done, right? Like he was very much allowing for the, the the truth of the matter, which was that like he he knew that he'd come in late and he wasn't trying to take credit for something that he didn't do. Um, but it's always been a lingering question to me: um, is uh, how the broader team felt about that um, inclusion and having this this person come in who had once been um, part of uh, working on Halo a long time earlier. Um, but uh, when it comes right down to it, you know whether it was the influence of uh, of that individual um, or the more likely scenario that he was just one part of of the puzzle. Um, the resulting game is great, you yeah. know. Infinite, infinite feels like what it should be, which is a, and that's um, all because of Joseph Staten. You're saying, <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, I mean, it feels like it's a it's a game that is both. Um, in the DNA of, of Halo, very, very much so. Um, you feel like it's a Halo game. It feels um, the gameplay feel matches what you expect. Um, and But it's simultaneously a game that isn't afraid to try new things. You know, like you mentioned the grapple, um, grapple shot, Marcus. I mean, that's a that was a really complicated thing to integrate into the game systems. They did it. The open world elements, um, that's new. Uh, they took chances. It wasn't like a completely play it safe project by any stretch. Oh yeah. And like, as you said, like I've, I've appreciated how Joseph Staten has, has positioned himself as like, you know, I, I can't take a lot of credit for this game. I came in a year before launch. They were on the right track is kind of what he's been saying. I think even in your yeah. cover story, there was a quote like that. One of the things I was able to help do was, and this is me, Ben talking, like I was able to help do this. <laughs> was, was, uh, bring, give them more time. The mm-hmm. Joseph Staten was went to Microsoft management and fought to delay the game because, as you've said, I'm sure Microsoft higher ups would have really loved to have had a Halo at launch day for the Xbox Series S and slash X. But they didn't because they were like, you know what, we're going to to their credit care about the quality of this game and we'll let you delay it for a year. Yeah, because yeah. it sounded like even before that doom demo and you know e3 2020 or whatever um and maybe ben you have more on this that he the development up to that point was pretty unstable like seemed like the creative direction was kind of a little bit all over the place there's yeah there's some stuff there was a bloomberg story that came out a lot of people were talking i'm sure in 10 years we'll have a better like oral history of the development of this game but yeah it sounds like there was some 
fracturing of development. There was, you know, some quote out there of like, it felt like we were making four or five games. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of people working on different angles. So they definitely needed somebody to come in, hone them down, and get the game made, which I don't know. I don't know if Joseph Staten was the guy who did all that, but it seems like it came together in one way, shape, or form. Yeah, it reminds me, I, I, a lot of people know this story, and I don't know to what degree they still do this, but Ubisoft used to have that um, approach with game development mm-hmm. um, where they would literally have some of their senior creative leads that would work on uh, on as closers, right? They would come in to a project late in development and largely the the a lot of the like leadership decisions and production decisions would shift to those folks um so that they could close this thing out, right? Because you'd have people who had worked on a given project for 2, 3, 4 years and want to I want to have this get complete and I want to have this get complete. And instead, you they would bring in people who were like, "Well, that thing's not going. This part's <laughs> not going to happen. We're going to cut this. We're going to cut that, and we're going to we're going to put this game out because it's got to come out." Yeah. Um, and you need somebody uh, with a fresh set of eyes on some point. I I could see that yeah. being helpful. Yeah. Sometimes I think that that can have value. Although I I have to imagine whether you're talking about what happened with Staten coming in as as a creative lead at at Halo or what some of those Ubisoft games were. That it could lead to um, negative feelings for mm-hmm. people who had been there for a long time working there. Um, well, yeah, if you're the guy who's something. working on a feature for three years, like, oh, I'm yeah. working on grapple dual wielding, and then that feature gets cut or whatever, like, <laughs> you're going to be pretty upset. It's like, this is all I've been doing for three years. <laughs> I was the grapple dual wield guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, grapple dual wielding sounds really interesting, but it's like, uh, you do it wrong, you pull your arms off. I think. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've already talked a couple times about the grapple. Uh, we can dive in. I'm game. I love the grapple. Just yeah. cards on the table. I think, kind of like you, Marcus, when I saw that demo, I was like, "Oh, grapple. Okay, sure." And this is coming from a guy who is currently wearing a Spider-Man sweater. I should be <laughs> on board with anything that lets you like swing from things or or shoot up to things like conceptually i'm on board for that but i just wasn't super enthusiastic about it with halo but it is probably the coolest new addition to the halo sandbox since i don't even know like maybe ever like since the first game it's the best thing they've ever added yeah like easily (laughs) better than the armor abilities better than any given gun like the amount of of times I've used that grapple hook and the ways that I've used it. Cause it's such a simple mechanic, but there's so much depth to how you can implement it. And in, in firefights and f- like figuring that stuff out during the game was so much fun to me. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah. It, it's a total game changer. And it was uh, to hear them tell it, it was, it was hard. Um, like there was the decision to put it in and then there was the realization of the implications right mm. and and you can you can do the same thing if you talk if you sort of think it through in your head think about like uh all the spaces that were previously inaccessible to a to the player character to to master chief that all of a sudden you had to have you have real geometry that you could land on and that you could move to and that you could run along and you could shoot from um uh, not not to mention the fact that you they had already committed to doing it as this big kind of open world like space with big mountains and and all that kind of stuff and now we're gonna we're gonna put this this tool in place that lets you um 
grapple up to the top of that mountain or uh, if there's anything flying around, like if there's a vehicle flying around, you can grapple up to the vehicle and suddenly you're in flight and you can go anywhere that that flight lets you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm disappointed in myself that it took me like halfway through the game before I realized I could grapple to vehicles and then quickly overtake them. I was like, why haven't I been doing that the whole game? You fool. Like it's the best (laughs) real good when a banshee flies by and you're just like, I'll take that and just grapple up to it. Uh, It's very satisfying. There's a couple of times I grappled weapons from enemies before they could grab them. Mm -hmm. It always feels nice. Just denying them. (laughs) Or knocking, (laughs) knocking the jackal shields back so you can pop them. Oh yeah. That's very satisfying. I also love grabbing the, I don't know. What are the explodey canisters called? Just grabbing those fusion coils, like a bunch of just free grenades just everywhere and just grab them and toss them. Yeah. Yeah. That's also a good, I mean, is that an addition? Cause like you could always throw grenades and stuff, but I mean, those, those canisters are new too. And that's another thing where on, on paper you're like, oh, okay, whatever. And then it wound up being the thing I did like all the time. It's <laughs> I got really good at lobbing those things. Slightly more satisfying than a grenade, I think, because it explodes on contact. And I, I think maybe the explosion radius is a little bit bigger too. It's very satisfying to throw one of those. Yeah, I was Tom Brady that thing by the end of the game. <laughs> Just hitting dudes from like a mile away. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, um, these are opinions, by the way. Not facts. <laughs> yeah. We have we we need more opinions in this podcast. <laughs> you know, I ever ever since I played through the, the campaign with that grapple shot, I've wanted I don't know why there isn't a multiplayer mode that's just gra- all grapple all the time. They gotta do that. Yeah, why haven't they done a- that? That's a good title too. They should just call it all grapple all design. <laughs> I mean, you. they kind of have the they have similar ideas, right? Like they they have those those things like like tactical slayer where it's like, hey, you don't have shields, you just have a battle rifle. Go crazy. Um and uh yeah, they have Fiesta where where it's a multiplayer mode where you're gonna just get like random weapons. Oh, I guess I have a rocket launcher now. Yeah. Um, just so grapple and no weapons like or you just have to fly into each other and punch each other i mean i yeah i don't know i mean i go i think i could go for either one of those i could go with uh grapple and no weapons i could also go with like a, a quick play mode where you've got your standard weapons but you have an unlimited you just start with grapple and that's the only equipment on the board you can always and use it unlimited use i'm kind of yeah, yeah unlimited use. Yeah, that like campaign limited mode. use yeah campaign mode exactly like got- maybe a short cooldown on it and uh, I got two like, words for you, Miller. Dual grapple wielding. <laughs> <laughs> That's three words, I guess. Dual wielding is uh, hyphenated. Two words. He needs I one see. that comes out his right arm that brings people to you. It'll be like DMC Devil May Cry. Yeah, just, sure. Just, just rip that off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Uh, I don't know why we're not making this game. We're waiting for our call, 343. That's right. <laughs> Joseph Staten to come in and <laughs> get our ideas together. Yeah, That's right. right. Uh, any other um, thoughts about the campaign or the just the basic shooting mechanics? I think feels really good. Maybe three four three is always, I thought, done a good job of like the feel of shooting and all that. Yeah, I mean, on, on the broader level of the campaign, I think one of the the you touched on this earlier, Ben, a little bit, which is that um, the other big takeaway for me with infinite's campaign was the the narrowing of focus of for the characters and the storytelling i think uh pays dividends yeah Um, for sure the by the time you got to halo 5 it was a really really big and unwieldy um storytelling loop to manage right you had two 
separate groups of of main characters that you were sort of playing as um and you kind of knew who some of them were um but you didn't really know them super well unless you'd really read all the books and all the comics and all that kind of stuff and you had all these shifting alliances and complexities going on um and if you think about that in comparison with infinite, I think one of the successes of this newest game is that you really only have a few characters. Um, and um, master chief and the weapon in particular are just really well thought out, well-written thoughtfully crafted to say something, to say something interesting. And again, I mean that part of that is a callback to combat evolved, right? Like when you, played combat evolved a lot of the enjoyability of that storytelling was about like you're getting to know this sort of stoic space marine guy and you're getting to know his his uh his blue lady buddy right and they're going to go on an adventure together mm-hmm. that's pretty much what happens in infinite right uh, it's a different blue lady um sort of um and uh but but it it still feels it feels intimate and it feels personal. It feels like it deals with some themes of uh, you know for me it's very much a uh, themes that worked well in the zeitgeist right now right like I mean Halo Infinite is a game about resilience in the face of um, of a really tough situation and I think that's something that a lot of people right now can really identify with hmm. um, and I think that just it it struck some chords for folks. Uh, I I personally really enjoy what they did there and the way they updated that dynamic between those two characters. They have a couple other characters, right? Like the pilot plays an important role. Certainly the um, the villain plays an important role. But it really is a lot about Master Chief and, and Weapon. Um, and you know, this, that worked for me. This whole thing, you know, Halo 4, 5, and, you know, Infinite, which is essentially a 6, it kind of they started off the game saying, "Hey, this is our Reclaimer trilogy." Slash, they changed it to Saga later down the line, right? Like this is the Reclaimer Saga. It reminds me of the recent Star Wars trilogy that we had, where you you watch Force Awakens, you're like, "Okay, cool, they're setting up some cool stuff here," and then you watch <laughs> Last Jedi, and you're like, "Oh, the, well, they didn't really go where I was going," and you know. I'm not right. talking about the quality of the movie or, or or anything. And then you watch the the last one and you're like, what were they doing? Like what they had no yeah. idea where they were going. Yeah. And like, what did the trilogy accomplish ultimately? Right. And I think Halo under three, four threes stewardship has been somewhat like that where it's like, I feel like they don't know where they're going. And I think they landed the plane better than star Wars, but it still just felt like you, you play five and you're like, okay, interesting where they're setting this up. Like, you know, I know people hate the Cortana thing. I think conceptually it's kind of neat. And then you get to this and you're like, it just felt like they were trying to reset and restructure things with each entry in the series. Yeah. I mean, and, this one, especially like, I mean, the biggest elephant with the room with this game is that the immediate aftermath of halo five is kind of resolved off screen. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> totally you, is. <laughs> you just kind of retroactively find out what happened, but cause it, it's set. Uh, when I look this up, it's like a year after Halo Wars 2 and I think two years after 5, roughly. So, mm-hmm. like, some time has passed in between those two games. And it kind of yeah. gave them a narrative out to 
to do that of like let's just say all that stuff that you didn't like already happened so you don't have to actually play through it yeah and we'll fill you in later you just want to go over it real quick uh yeah it's uh uh, you know, Miller, you did a good job setting up just the general premise of um, like the main players, like Chief Weapon, who is a an AI who, you know, you find out is essentially a copy of Cortana, whose original directive was to capture and delete Cortana when she was going wild trying to take over the uh, the galaxy. Kind of the state of the galaxy at this point is that it, you know, it's been subjugated by Cortana and all the guardians and you know humanity's trying to fight back and the banished are trying to fight cortana but also mankind as well which real quick just with the weapon thing when you guys first encountered weapon what did you assume she was like i think i sort of assumed she was like some kind of copy of cortana already just because she looks and sounds like cortana i didn't think she would literally be a copy of cortana i just thought like oh maybe she's like i mean i didn't think the resemblance was like a coincidence but I was like, oh, maybe she's just like a similar line of AIs or something. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, there's a there's a line um, from uh, I think it's from four, actually. Um, that's that's kind of a poignant line where Cortana, as you know, she's dying or whatever. And she talks to Master Chief about like the idea that you're um, when I'm gone, they're going to pair you with another AI, maybe even another Cortana model, but it's not going to be me. It's not going to be me. Right. And it's a fulfillment of that, um, narrative, uh, foreshadowing Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. weapon shows up and she, she, she is that right. And it plays into the suspicion that, you know, like it's, is one of my favorite things about infinite is, is master chief's relationship with weapon that simultaneously, like, in some ways paternalistic right um where he's he's sort of like looking out for her because he recognizes that she's sort of naive and doesn't understand the way things work but he's also terror he's terrified of her uh-huh. as well right yeah. like yeah. he's 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 scared of what she could become because she's he's gone through this path with cortana before right um yeah we're so you, ahead, you, but there's that moment where he's like ready to delete her happens a couple yeah. times you're like oh that's yeah. an interesting like tension of like he has this like kill button that he's right. his fingers always over. He's like, in case this thing's about ready to like go nuts, I'm ready. <laughs> right. And you know, I, I love that about, about the game. I, I love that, um, that tension and I love the follow through. Right. I, I mean, there are a lot of things you're right that they, that they leave behind a lot of the core ideas and threats that they set up, especially by the end of five, you're like, well, Halo six is definitely about fighting Cortana and, <laughs> dealing with her threat and then it's sort of not at all but they did um, the, that's, you know not to harp on it but they did the same thing with the didact in four you're like oh they're setting up the didact he's going to be this big bad for three sure. games or something and then you're just like sort of he's gone now it's like yeah. every game it's like a new like villain you're like I, what happened to the other guy i was like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah totally and so you know i i think it's fair to your your, your comparison to star wars i think is is apt and it it does feel like there wasn't necessarily an overall vision for the the trilogy or if there was they changed direction on it so many times that it didn't um you know the eventual result isn't anything like what they had originally planned mm-hmm. but i do think there are some moments and some some narrative symmetries that work and one of them is that 
that issue of uh, the partnership, the friendship between Cortana and Master Chief as it's articulated in four um, and the poignancy that is there at what appears to be her death um, and the way that is then mirrored back in, in Infinite uh, through the presence of, of the weapon um, who is Cortana but isn't, right? It's, 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 there's sort of like a, uh, a really interesting dynamic there that we get to see play out. Yeah, I think narratively it let 343 sort of hit the reset button mm-hmm. and kind of like, hey, sorry about Halo 5. Let's, you know, we can't really undo that, but the closest thing we can do is kind of give you a new version of that dynamic that you used to like in those trilogies. Like, hey, Master Chief still got like a really kind of perky blue AI lady and they're going to go on an adventure and... Yeah. There you go. It's just like old times. <laughs> Ignore, you know, the other the other model of Cortana. She's gone now. Don't worry about it. We we took care of that. Uh and even with this uh with this game, the idea of um because the, the crux of the plot is that the banished have taken over Zeta Halo and that Chief, along with uh weapon and and I guess pilot too, are sort of the only ones that can deal with them. And so you spend the game liberating UNC forces that have been captured there and then finding out that they're trying to they're working with a new character called the Harbinger who's a member of an alien race called the Endless who are imprisoned on the Halo for some reason you get the sense that it's bags there's like a line in the game where they say like oh these guys oh they're worse than the flood (laughs) you don't if you thought the flood was a problem you don't want to deal with the Endless yeah Cortana knows that or something right I think the uh yeah, her and the um oh I forget his name, but the uh the superintendent, the little Wheatley guy, yeah, I think kind of fills you into a bit. Um and that the banished are working with the Harbinger to release the endless. They have a mutual goal. And that Atriox, who we mentioned before, was the main or the leader of the banished, she's gone for this game, and instead it's his lieutenant, uh, and if if I butcher his name, is it Escarum? I think it's Asherum, but yeah, Asherum? pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I feel like I didn't hear it spoken aloud enough times to, <laughs> <laughs> to get it. Okay, Asherum, who's really the big bad in this game. You see right. him constantly. He's always showing up on holograms to kind of mess with you. And he's very excited to fight Master Chief. He's actually maybe my favorite main villain in any Halo game. I think I like how visible he is. And I kind of like his like, yeah, I just want to throw down with you, man. (laughs) He's also, there's a couple scenes where he's like coughing or something. I wasn't totally clear on this. He's sick or something. I could, he's he's sick or he's old. He's old. I mean, he's old and he's sick, right? I mean, like the implications that he is, he, uh, kind of brought Atriox in and, and he sees Atriox as really the sort of messianic figure that's going to lead the banished to into their future. Oh, interesting. Um, he's like, the he was, yeah, yeah, a little bit, right? Like he was actually kind of like, uh, the implication is that he was kind of like Atriox's teacher or, or mentor okay. or whatever. And, and ultimately fulfilled a role as being kind of his like war chief or whatever. Yeah. Um, his chief counselor, but he's not the he's not the big bad of the banished, right? Um, Atrex, the guy who throws uh, Master Chief off of the ship, right? I mean, that's uh, uh, that's what we're we're wondering about um, into the future, 
Yeah, he, um, the guy who was like the big bad for Halo for Wars two. For Halo Wars two. Yeah. And then everybody thinks he's that's what confused me because he's in the opening cutscene, like fighting Master Chief, and he like kicks your ass and yeah. throws you out of the ship. And then yeah. when Asherim shows up later, I was like, I thought that was it was him sure. in at first, even though I think sure. he probably yeah. said his name. Like it's just like there's like a six month gap between that opening and the actual yeah. beginning of the game when the pilot finds you. Uh, which I was like, is he just, he's been floating in space for six months. He, <laughs> wow. That's, I mean, that's he's got a really good suit, man. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and, and also yeah. like they leave his name reveal for the end. Like it's going to be a secret or something. And it's, I don't know. I kept waiting for, well, what could it be? Like my name's John one, one eight. I'm your brother chief. I thought maybe he was a book character of like, this is treated like a big reveal. Maybe this is just going over my head. Cause I haven't read any of that stuff. But I, it doesn't seem like it when I was looking it up. <laughs> I think that, you know, I, I've talked a lot about how much I like Infinite's core storytelling with its its leads, right? Like, I like Weapon and I like um, Master Chief and the way that they're painted in this in this story. Uh, I think the stuff we're talking about now, the stuff around, like, the banished leadership, the Endless, the Harbinger, that stuff is handled with such a... Um, such an attempt to be so mysterious and so like enigmatic that I actually think that's the part of the story that doesn't work for me. Um, uh, and I remember when I, when I had it most chiefly on my mind is as I was working on the review and I had played through the campaign on a couple of different difficulties. So I'd seen it like two times all the way through. I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know that this really holds up to scrutiny. Yeah. Um, it, it's fine and certainly they're i get that they're trying to establish some stakes for future installments and and all that i know that it's it's a story that's not meant to be completely understood yet but it still doesn't totally work for me i mean i'm i'm all for some good mysteries in a in a good story and i don't need it all to be resolved by the end but i you know i know this stuff pretty well i followed this franchise for a couple decades and I still found myself kind of shaking my head by the end, the second time through the campaign. I was like, what are you even talking about? What is happening here? Um, who is this character? You know, you fight that um, that character, the Harbinger, and you're kind of like, I don't, I don't really know what's going on. Why am I fighting you? What are you trying to do? Um, a lot of those motivations are lost on me. Um, the other stuff with Cortana and Weapon and Master Chief, that all gelled fine. Yeah. I liked it. It's the it's the ancillary stuff that that I feel like still needs some still needs some work. Yeah, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier of you know, there's there's the lore of Halo, which is really good. And I think 343 knows that better than anybody. They really know their lore. But I think because they're so close to their lore, they're like, oh, if we mention the endless, people will get excited. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, I, I don't know. Some of that's like storytelling of like there's a lot of casual fans out there, people who've only ever played Halo games, people who maybe this is their first Halo game and that stuff's not going to hit with them the same way it will somebody who's read like all the books. So I think yeah. there's, there's just, you know, I don't know. I think some of that could be smoothed out a little bit better because there's cool stuff in there. Like I'm curious who the endless are, but when it happened in the game, I was like, wait, who are these guys? It kind of glossed past me and yeah, I had to go look it up later. Them. Yeah. Yeah, like they the game ends with the a tease that they're surprise, surprise, Atriox is alive. He shows up at the very end to sort of open up the I guess the vault or the prison that the endless 
are in. They either get their knowledge or do something with them. Um, so yeah, the Harbinger herself, I mean, her name is fitting because you know, all you know about her is like, hey, I just want to get my people out. I don't know, you don't know why they got imprisoned or what what they are. It's just like I just want to get them out. Um, I think the other big thing with the story is kind of the hard confirmation that Cortana is super dead. Because you find out that she, you know, you get those flashbacks throughout the game. They, I, what was the term they used for it? residual data? I believe you kind of see what she was doing in between five and now. Yeah, and you realize at a certain point that she got captured by Atriox, and they're having conversations, and because she uh blew up their the brute's home planet. Uh, yeah, with like a and, guardian or guardian or whatever, probably. Yeah, because they basically wouldn't bend the knee, so to speak. So she's like, all right, well no planet Later. for you <laughs> uh in a way you're like well i guess i can't really blame Atriox. he's kind of in the right here yeah <laughs> like genocide like who okay um but uh but she essentially just kills herself to keep the banished from using zeta halo and damages it which is why it's got that kind of big old hole in it uh when you first get there um, and that she knew that Master Chief would find weapon and she kind of implores you to to work with her. Yeah, I think I think Miller's right, though. Like I, I did enjoy. First of all, I liked weapon like as a character. She's just very fun, kind of adds a little lighthearted element to it. Um, funny almost or like, you know, she'll be like, hey, you made a joke like that kind of stuff. It's, it's she's an amusing like character with I don't know right almost childlike eyes she's kind of seen mm-hmm. the world fresh so i think that's a cool character part of me yeah. you know going to the end when she's like oh i can pick my own name i mean she's gonna pick cortana right that's probably what she's going with but part of that's, me is like that's the oh, implication. I, I kind of want her to just be a different character i i, I almost like the name weapon like just would, would that be like triggering for master chief to just like i'm gonna name myself after your dead friend who took over the galaxy (laughs) well i mean i think that though is like that's just what that conversation is that you see at the end right is is without them explicitly saying so it's her being like you know is it appropriate for me to take this you know almost in honor of her to take that name and everybody kind of being in agreement that 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 they're okay with it and she wouldn't do it if it wasn't okay with them what if the pilot was like oh hold on (laughs) i have a thought (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah i mean it, it's a it, it, it any which way it's it's a it's a really good fun character it's something that the franchise needs it's a little different from the original cortana um it is she is more lighthearted. Uh, one of the one of the interesting things that the developers point out about weapon in comparison with uh, the cortana that you have in all the earlier games is that um she's not um She's not like omniscient the way that Cortana always seems to be, right? Like there's this quality where Cortana often seems to know things that you don't or that Master Chief doesn't um, and kind of uh, oftentimes the story is uh, um, bending on the knowledge that like Cortana has that we're like, well, how did she know that? I don't she just knows stuff. I mean, she's really smart. and She has access to all sorts of things. Weapon doesn't have that, which is a slightly different dynamic, right? So Master Chief and the Weapon throughout the course of Infinite are discovering things together um, rather than Cortana just being a way to relay plot um, to to Master Chief and, and thus to the player. Um, 
So that makes for kind of a, a changed dynamic. And she's also, to your point, Ben, she's more lighthearted and naive and childlike um, and and nails that that balance in a way that I think it's it's pretty hard to do, especially for like gamers like us who've been playing for a long time. We've seen that dynamic so many times and it's just annoying, mm. right? Like that kind of character will come across as being like, oh, she's just awful. Right. She just makes me not <laughs> like the game every time she talks. Um, but she doesn't. I, I mean, in this case, I think Weapon is genuinely uh, innocent and fun without being annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's a trick in and of itself. And due in, in large part, by the way, to the fact that you had a, you have a very good voice actress, Jen Taylor, who was doing three separate roles for this game. She's playing Cortana. She's playing Weapon and she's playing the chief uh, <laughs> playing Halsey, uh, who you oh, get right, some flashbacks right. of. Yeah, it would be a trick if she also played Master Chief. <laughs> yeah, and she's Atriox, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to say something, Marcus? Uh, just adding to Matt's point about oh how endearing Weapon is. I realized how much I liked her during that period where she's like pissed at you. I felt like genuinely terrible <laughs> that entire like 20 minutes or so. <laughs> I did not like having angry Weapon. I was like, oh man, this isn't fun. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I kind of felt bad, but I'm like, at the same point, if you you kind of understand Chief's perspective a little bit too. Oh no, I got it. I just felt terrible. I was like, can you like maybe apologize? Like just say I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Chief's not gonna do that. <laughs> no, that's not an Master Chief thing. Yeah. No, he, but uh, he kind of does, doesn't he? Yeah. Like way later. Way later. Right. <laughs> um, sorry. Sorry, I almost killed you. But then again, he waited until like what, like dozens of hours before he even asked the pilot what his name was. Yeah, yeah, that made me laugh too. <laughs> that's I mean, it is as much as it made it seem like his name's going to be important, it was a funny like character moment of like, that's just chief. He doesn't, he doesn't ask people's name. Like, <laughs> like I've been hanging out with you and I saved your life a couple times, yeah. but I don't need to know Even the name. scene where he gives him the pep talk. Uh-huh. That would have been a great time. <laughs> to be like, Hey, by the way, what's, what's your, your name? name? <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I thought was also a, a really good scene of seeing a more emotional side to chief of him having to like, literally be like a, not like a grief counselor, but sort of, like him literally doing it after school, like I'm going to take a knee and kind of give you a pep talk. Yeah, I, I like that too, Marcus, actually. I mean, I, I think one of the um, the things I liked in 4 uh, was Master Chief's a little bit greater vulnerability and the clear pain that he was in losing his friend in 4. That was one of my favorite things back in that game. Um, and I liked it here in Infinite as well, right? Like the sense that he... Uh, I mean, yeah, he processes things a little differently than the normal kind of a guy. You know, everything's about the mission and like, uh, I'm always going to struggle on that kind of vibe is certainly core to his character. But I like that there's some moments here that we get, we get him to actually like speak like a real person. Um, and, uh, and talk to the pilot and, and recognize him as like a fellow human being that's got having a pretty rough go of things. Um, and uh, I'm glad that they didn't decide to paint Master Chief just as this like unfeeling brute that's just like, come on, we got to get going. Let's go kill some more stuff. Yeah. 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 Any, uh, I don't know, final thoughts about the campaign or anything or narrative. Are you guys excited to see where this goes? I, we've sort of teased in earlier episodes like, yeah, this, they, they call it infinite. So maybe it's going to just go be this living game and maybe they'll release odst style campaigns down the road it's like here's just kind of a short little thing for you to enjoy like i'd i'd be down for that 
I, I certainly think that that is the implication I got in talking with the development team is that like they they liked Halo Infinite as an as a name, but it, it's also meant to imply something. Right. Um, and there is, you know, anybody who's looked at that map, uh, the 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 somewhat open world that is Halo Infinite, there's a lot more ring that hasn't been discovered. There's a lot more stuff to do there. Uh, and there's certainly a lot of open threads. Um, I suspect that they um, will be approaching a rollout of subsequent um, content in a little different way than what we would expect. Um, I I don't think it's going to be like uh, Halo Infinite 2 um, or Halo 7 or or something like that. I really think that they think of Halo Infinite is like a platform that had an initial launch of content and an initial campaign. And then there's going to be more of it. Um, but time will tell. Yeah, for sure. We should probably touch on multiplayer a little bit. Have you guys been playing a lot of multiplayer? Yes. Yeah, me too. Very much so. Marcus, we should play some. I don't think we, you and I have played any together, but I play like all the time. Um, I'm playing tonight. Maybe. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> um, I I mean I dig it. I know there's a lot of hate about it. Um but the core experience of Halo Infinite multiplayer is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um feels like a lot of the criticism is like, oh, it just takes forever to level up or earn enough experience to unlock stuff. Right? It's not about the core mechanics or how the gunplay feels or how the maps look. Right? Yeah, it feels like refreshingly old school. Yeah. Uh it's definitely Give me flashbacks to like Halo One and Two, like land parties in high school. Yeah, that's what I'm loving about it. The leveling up stuff doesn't bother me because I don't really care about the cosmetics. It's just like whatever. It's just a part for me. It's just a progress bar that fills up every now and then. I just want to play the matches. But you know, I understand people that are annoyed by it. Uh, but yeah, I just it's weird. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what they did other than it just feels like old Halo. <laughs> you know, you know what I think part of it is, dude, is like. I think that uh, it feels fresh because so many recent games have moved away from what Halo successfully did back in the day. Um, I mean, one of the biggest things, I think, I mean, I, I play a lot of I play a lot of Destiny and I play a lot of its multiplayer and I love that game. I play it, you know, I play it all the time alongside now playing Halo multiplayer as well. But like Destiny does not have a fair start mentality to its um to its multiplayer suite right like when you go in it's like okay well i how can i put together the the build that is going to let me wreck some people right that's not what you do in infinite in infinite it's it's all about like what you do on the battlefield everybody comes in with the same loadout with the exception of fiesta where like the whole point is that you're coming in with a different loadout um and uh, and it's random uh, but generally speaking, every one of those game modes, you're starting fresh with each life. You've got a certain number of grenades. Um, and so when you get in an, ex- in an exchange with another player, it just comes down to like, did you win? Did you do it right? Right. Like, did you dodge? Well, did you g- get that headshot? Um, did you see them before they saw you? And even then, like sometimes if you can play well, even if they see you first, you can turn the tables. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I like. The time to kill is is long enough where it doesn't feel too long where it's like, yeah. oh, I got to empty my entire gun into this guy. 
But at the same time, it's not like Call of Duty where it's like, well, this guy saw me first, so I lost. Or there's yeah. still that option, you know, yeah. they call it the dance or whatever. But, you know, there is an element of like how I'm moving across the battlefield and like how I'm aiming on you and how I'm using grenades. There's a lot of tools there rather than, you know, I've, I've played a bit of Call of Duty multiplayer and I like it. But yeah, it is a more of like, can I see this person first and, and get him? Yeah. It's it also I know it's it's come into some criticism for its number of maps um, doesn't have a lot of maps here at launch, but the maps that are there, I am very impressed by. I, I think sometimes in, in multiplayer games, not enough credit is given to the importance of a really thoughtfully designed map that is accounting for all the different types of weapons that are maybe going to be put in use and how it's going to be used in different game modes, whether that's capture the flag or in halo here it's oddball or strongholds or whatever every one of these maps does interesting things and allows for in you know interesting sight lines and multiple places where you can kind of hole up and um and hold a space um it it funnels uh, battles into really interesting uh spaces where there's interesting cover points and um Spaces where like, okay, well, I can snipe from here, but if I do and somebody comes up behind me, I'm not going to see them, right? Like it, it's always conscious of those things. And you can tell that it was those maps went through so much iteration and development to get to where they are. Um, and it, it shows, I mean, it makes for really fun, just plain fun uh, matches. Yeah. Yeah, I think it helped too that this year's Call of Duty kind of faltered and then Battlefield was the other big shooter of the year and that one like people were excited about but then it kind of came out and we're like eh. like so i think both of those games had off years and then you know it was kind of like hey halo's a great game it kind of like halo kind of saved the day in terms of the shooter space yeah mm. and it's reportedly doing well you know microsoft ceo satya nadella said that halo infinite has had the biggest launch in series history with over 20 million players Obviously, a lot of that can be credited to the fact that it's free to play. There's no barrier to entry, so it's easier for people to just check it out. Right. But that's that's still good. Hopefully, it has some long legs. Uh, you know, and that remains to be seen, obviously, but it's a good game. Yeah. And I guess I assume they're be updating it throughout the year. And in terms of the overall package, we're still waiting for a campaign co-op. Yeah. Which the happen this year at some point that's right yeah that and the forge will be rolling out down the road so people will be able to start making their own maps which should help with the map issue yeah. there you go halo infinite uh miller you gave it a nine two five that sounds right to me yeah it's funny once you do this job long enough you review enough games you're like <laughs> what did i give that what game? did i give it i don't, I don't know I, I, I think i like that game though yeah. i'm pretty sure i did but yeah that's a good score good game and i think that's it any final thoughts on halo infinite maybe my favorite halo game of them all mm, wow i've i've loved the campaign i have some issues with the open world design but overall i i really liked it and i'm having a blast with the multiplayer in a way that i haven't since the first two games sure. and i'm not a big multiplayer gamer in general it takes there's very few games that grab me with their multiplayer mode and this is one of them yeah yeah it's it's up there for me i mean it's hard for me this many years in to separate out my nostalgia that i feel for those earliest games um i mean for me those were tied up in memories of of 
uh, hanging out with friends in uh, times that I had more time on my hands to do that kind of thing. Back when you had um, friends. Back when I still had friends. And, yeah. Uh, but there, but Marcus is right. I mean, it, it's a, it is a very solid game. It, even, even when there are things you can nitpick about both the multiplayer and the campaign, not to mention big features that like you'd expect to be there at launch that weren't most notably the two we just mentioned, not having campaign co-op and not having the forge is like, uh, kind of feels like that's something that a halo game has established that it's supposed to have. Right. Um, <laughs> but like, if you judge the game for what it is, right? Like you, you look at it for, um, not the game you want it to be, but just like, this is the game that's on the table in front of me. Um, it's, it's very, it's just a lot of fun. I, every time I, I've, I've been, I go back into the campaign and, um, you know, I play through some on legendary, right? Like once you get a good handle on the equipment, um, especially the grapple, I think you can like take a run at legendary and it's, it's hard and it takes time, but it's a lot of fun. Um, but also just the multiplayer and, and the, the feel of play there, everything works really well. Uh, they have a, uh, a system in place that in, in both campaign and multiplayer, they can continue to make it better. But what's there is, is a very, very solid foundation. Yeah. It's a really solid foundation to work off of. Like you said, if this is going to be a game that continues for a long time. Yeah. It's a good start. Yeah. I think it's probably the best thing that three, four, three's done to date. That's definitely true. Except for the mega block game. <laughs> which, which they didn't do. Yeah. Which they didn't do. So, <laughs> and that's a fact. That is a fact. There's that fact we were looking for. Maybe multiplayer gets a mega blocks mode. Ooh. Ooh. Honestly. With ah, dual wielding cool. grapple shots. Oh, there it is. You know, because yeah. uh, uh, I just think of Forza Horizon, how they would add stuff like here's our matchbox or Hot Wheels or whatever mode, or here's a, yeah. a Lego car mode. They could yeah. probably do that, right? Sure. Yeah. Why not? It's easy. It's super easy. Development works. Yeah, that's a fact. That's right. <laughs> game easy. development is easy, and that's a fact. That's a fact. Well, that's going to do it for us here today. That's an opinion. But uh, come back next week. We'll have another episode for you. You know, we've done a big Nintendo series. We kicked off with Metroid. We did a big Microsoft series just now. So we were thinking maybe we should give Sony some love. Right, Marcus? Yeah, and it's funny you say that because I don't even think we planned it that way, but that worked out beautifully. <laughs> but yeah, we will be tackling the Uncharted series next. Ooh, yeah, so come back for that. We'll be tackling Drake's fortune. How much money does that guy have? Oh, I mean, now that he's got that hot movie coming out. I mean, it's gonna he's gonna be rolling. He's in it. rolling in it. That's right. Yeah, Tom Holland on. We're gonna have our shirts half tucked. It's gonna be great. That's right. So come back next week for that. And in the meantime, please like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Matt, for being on. Yeah, of course. You can follow me at Benjamin Reeves on Twitter. And I am at Marcus Stewart seven, the number seven on Twitter. Yeah. Miller, I know you're a nonstop Twitter user. Do you want to share your Twitter account or yeah, is there anything you want to R, It's at Matthew R. Miller. If you want to hop in there, sometimes I talk about some tabletop stuff. Cool. What's a what? What are you playing these days? Uh, I've been reading a lot of new um, RPG books recently. It's been one of the big things I've been um, enjoying. There's a uh, anybody who uh, has been kind of getting back into playing D and D in recent years. There's a lot of other really great tabletop role playing games in, in uh, the last couple of years that are worth a look. 
anything that like if you're a Halo fan, like this is the RPG book you should play? Oh gosh, a Halo fan. Um there's a nothing that's nothing that I would specifically call out, I guess. One thing that that one game that that's that's quite good that you can get a little bit of that Halo vibe of like Space Marines and stuff. A really good Aliens RPG out there that came out pretty recently. Um that has a real cool kind of cinematic vibe and go fight some xenomorphs and see all your buddies get killed. I mean, it's just a good time for everybody. I would love that crossover Halo versus a xenomorph. Yeah. Oh, sorry, a master chief versus xenomorph. Yeah. Who, who they could exist in the same universe. There's easily. Yeah, no doubt. I don't know. Any, any good closers, Marcus, join us next week as we tackle the uncharted series. Thank you for taking a trip through the Halo series on videogameography. We'll see you next week.